Welcome to the program, Woke Up, where we amplify the voices of those whom today's critical social justice movement and woke ideology have seduced. They realized they were being led to a place they did not want to be and woke up to tell their story. Now the host, Michael Ballantyne. Hello and welcome to the show, Woke Up, where we amplify BIPOC and LGBTQ voices, people who have realized that the, today's social justice movement is, was taking them to a place where they just didn't really want to be. And they realize the inconsistencies and they grew ever increasingly frustrated. And so we want to amplify their voices. However, today is a, is a very unique day. It's, it's special because we, uh, we have today on our show, a friend of mine, Jason Whitaker from Atlanta. He is, uh, he was never bought into it. He never bought fully into the woke ideology and uh, was protected from that. And has always been a very clear level-headed uh, thinker. And uh, he's a theologian and he has his own podcast. It's called uh, Dear Woke Christian. And he really points out some of the incongruities between today's social justice movement, principally critical race theory, and some of these uh, uh, these movements that are causing so much uh, chaos and division, and just uh, demonstrating very clearly the difference between Christianity and the incompatible nature of uh, critical race theory with Christianity. So I'm very glad that uh, Jason's on the show today. And so Jason, welcome to Woke Up. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Uh, you've been a great host. I'm looking forward to a great conversation today. Uh, we could have talked then, so I'm looking forward. I've been chomping at the bit to oh, get wonderful. with you. So thank you for having me, man. Thank you so much. So Jason, what is your passion? What What is it that inspired you as a, a man of God, as a as a man of faith to start your podcast? And uh, what's the passion of your message? What are you trying to get? What are you trying to accomplish? Let's summarize it. Jesus Christ is so much better. The Bible is so much better. Now, let me, let me expand that out some. During 2020, I attend a church where there's a lot of people with less melanin than I. And when George Floyd popped off, I found myself at lots of lunches and coffees and such like that and phone calls from people saying, are you doing okay? How are you? Are you all right? And I just, I was, I was confused. I said, um, I don't know. Have I been in a fight or something? Am I, <laughs> am I under duress? Like, I don't know what's wrong. And it, I found out that many people with less melanin felt like they had to respond or say something about what was going on in the culture and society because they didn't want to be accused of being racist and, 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 and being all of these other little bad third grade words that people were throwing around in 2020. And so I had to start telling people, hey, no, that that guy, whatever happened to him, that does not reflect me. And the person that did that, that does not reflect you. And most importantly, I don't see you like that. And I had to find myself quite often telling people like, no, no. And I almost to the point that why I make the joke and call myself the black Pope is because I had to tell people like, hey, tell people your black <laughs> friend, Jason, accused or rather absolved you of all of your white guilt and, and you're okay. Tell them, hey, if they got a problem, they can call me. So I started addressing this just on Twitter. And then I started on Gab, really vocal on Gab. And somebody said out of the blue, why don't you write a book? I'm like, man, nobody would read a book for me. What are you talking about? This is craziness. So I already had a blog where I was doing like Bible studies. And one day just so happened to be fiddling around on the blog site and I realized I had a free domain. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I got a free domain. 
and a free blog. Like, what do you know? Just playing around. I said, what if I wrote, hey, dear, woke Christian? And the, the URL was available. I said, oh, man, maybe I'll just keep it. Because on Gab, I had been writing every day. I'd get on and say, hey, hey, dear, woke Christian, how do you resolve this issue? Some, you know, some contradiction between the true gospel and this phony, false, and fake gospel of critical race theory and social justice. And it, would, it was basically showing the, the hypocrisy. And every day it was like a dear, woke Christian post. And that's when that person said, you should write a book. And I went on and said, hey, well, I got a blog if y'all want to check that out. And they they came. If you, if you write it, they will come. So the people came and we were just pointing out like the biblical errors of critical race theory. And then just like the first time, somebody said, you should do a podcast. <laughs> I really, I'm, I'm truly telling you this, how this happened. And so fiddling around on the site, I realized that, hey, you know, WordPress will let you post audio podcasts for free and off to the races we went. So I started the po audio podcast, but audio podcasts don't ge generally do as well as video because some people just like to see your face. Even though they might be listening, they like to be able to scan over and see something on the screen. So a friend of mine who's also on YouTube, his name is Richard Henry from Richard Contramundum. He reached out to me and said, man, you need to get on YouTube doing this. What you're doing is great, but you really need to get on YouTube. And now here we are almost a year and a quarter later after causing a whole lot of trouble on YouTube. I'm back. So that's how I got here. But ultimately... So you just drove right in the middle of the culture wars, right? At right the in the middle of peak. it. Because I realized that Jesus Christ was better. Like, come on, let's just think about it. If I'm trusting him to save me from the unmitigated, unimaginable wrath of God because I'm a sinner, you mean to tell me he can't reconcile me and you together? You got to pay some kind of reparations or you got to do some kind of genuflecting because I got more melanin and you got less melanin? Really? But he can save, he can save us from God's wrath, but he can't reconcile humans. I'm sorry. That's just not going to work. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Jesus that I serve did not do that. That's not him. And so, and then also when you realize that critical race theory is a religion, it's a faith system. It has its own sins. It has its own absolutions. It has its own means. It has its own churches. Sometimes it's got its own canon and Bible. I mean, it's a whole new religion. And I don't think people realize that. When you show people the mirror of that truth and challenge them, say, hey, you do realize that you are adding new laws to God's word, right? You do realize that, right? A lot of the time I argue and tell people, you know, racism isn't in the Bible. <laughs> you do realize that, right? And I ask them, hey, go check it out, check the scripts, and you come back and tell me where you see racism in the Bible. It can't be, and I told you this before, it can't be because in order for there to be racism, there would need to be two races, and there's not. There's only one race. There's only one. People's minds got completely fried when I asked, I showed them that. Like, you do realize there is no difference between a person with less melanin and a person with high melanin. There's nothing different between a black person and an Asian person, a Korean person and a Canadian. Fill in the blank. There's nothing, there is no difference. Well, yes, there is. No, there isn't. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to procreate. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. we can't. So it's not a difference. What it is, is an external difference. So there isn't a racism issue. It's a partiality issue. It's me showing preferential treatment to somebody else based upon external indicators or external characteristics. Boy, it's, it would be terrible. It would be really great if the Lord God in all his wisdom had said something about partiality, right? Wouldn't it have been great if he had said something kind of like, don't show partiality when people come into your church and tell the <laughs> poor person to sit at your feet and the rich. Oh, he did say that in James. Go figure. So my point is we are violating God's law by making up new laws and saying things crazy 
like all white people are racist. That can't be true. And you can't prove it to be true. So therein is another problem because critical race theory gives you a superpower of being all-knowing. So you actually become God in the critical race theory idea. They don't believe that until you actually challenge them. How do you know that my neighbor next door is racist? How do you know that? You uh-huh. don't, but you're assuming They it. benefited from the structures that exist to only advance How? the benefit How of white prove people. That? Prove it. Well, it's a theory, right? So- I, I, Okay, but guess what? Theories are to be challenged. So therefore, we must challenge the theory. So <laughs> let's go have fun, some fun. Prove it to me that all white people feel this way. Show me. You can't. You can't. So therefore, let's stop being dumb. Let's stop being ignorant. Now, does that mean that some people with less melanin have not been partial to other people? Absolutely not. Nope. There's no truth. Nope. There's there's case upon case upon case of black people, white people, Asian people, fill in the blank people being partial to their people group. No problem. Does that make them bad though? I literally have had people say that because a white man married a white woman, that's white supremacy. Y'all people are crazy. So no, that, that, I'm not going to do that because Tommy loves Sally. That's wrong. That doesn't even make sense. Or if my a white man is, marries a black woman, it's cultural appropriation. I guess <laughs> my wife is black. My kids are black. So what does that mean? Are we not racist? Because I don't understand that. That's silly. Yeah, but, but you you're black, so you have an exclusionary exclusionary carve out passage that doesn't exist in the scripture that you can't be racist. You can't be. You can't have that sin. But every white person does, irrespective of whether they repent, they go to God. They say, Jesus, forgive me for sinning. Forgive me for my attitude toward my black or Hispanic brother or sister. Forgive me for for having a mind as a man and not like you. Lord Jesus, forgive me. We have redemption. We have wholeness. We have forgiveness of sins, which is the beauty of the gospel. However, critical race theory doesn't allow you to be absolved from guilt. You have that forever and ever and ever. And just do the work and do a little bit better. And maybe one day you can be a little bit better than you are today. That sounds that sounds very, very freeing. I'm so glad when my Lord <laughs> said, take my yoke upon you, upon you and learn of me. He said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Uh, being free in Christ is light. All of this other stuff, all doing the work. I'm sorry, I'm going to do the work of the gospel. I'm not going to do the work of foolishness that's just running on a hamster wheel. Nope, I'm not going to do that for your entertainment. So <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to play the game. It's It's dumb. And I, I say this to my own people. This is dumb. Is It doesn't move people forward. Our people need to be moving forward. We're actually regressing. We're, we're regressing well past doggone reconstruction at this point. I mean, we're, we're, we're going backwards. We're not seeing the beauty and the wonder and the joy that God has given our highly melanated people to move forward. Because God has given that to the less melanated, the middle melanated, and everybody else on the spectrum and we should be moving forward and enjoying the Mm -hmm. wonders that he's given us and solving problems that he's given uh, us as people here on the earth that we could be doing things together as people but nope 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 critical race theory wants to Mm -hmm. and only it's a grievance gospel it is only it only grows as grievances grow whereas the gospel of jesus christ grows immensely under what the grace of God. The more I extend grace to my brothers and sisters at church, the more I show grace to my children, to my wife, to my in-laws, to my neighbors, the more Mm. the gospel spreads. Like, oh, the beauty of the gospel. Like God has forgiven me. I can forgive you for this. I can extend to you grace. Nope. 
in the critical race theory, social justice gospel. I got to continue in order for the gospel to grow. And I'm saying the lowercase g gospel to grow. Grievances must grow and they must continue to fester to the point now that they're you. You heard a politician yesterday saying that white people critiquing black people is now going to be considered a hate crime. Now, here we go. Like there, yeah. there is no limit. Just like there's no limit to God's grace, there is no limit to the craziness and the foolishness and the insanity of this phony, false, and fake gospel. So therefore, that's why I keep calling them out, because Jesus Christ is better. Yeah, this this whole social justice uh, aggression, this revolutionary thing, you know, the data is showing right now that it's not working in the sense that uh, there Pew, I think it was Pew Research did a poll one year post George Floyd, one year, and they asked a very simple question to white people and black people alike, has racism gotten worse, stayed the same, or improved in the last year of the social justice phenomenon. And did you know 87% of African-Americans said it stayed the same or has gotten worse? And like 82% of white people said it stayed the same or gotten worse. So you only see a, a small percentage of the people that said, hey, as a result of all this awareness and the, the summer of protests and, and uh, grieving, everyone grieving all the issues of racism in America, in terms of translating into a positive outcome in terms of optimism where white and black can come together thinking that we're really making good progress. 15% of Americans actually believe that things are getting better as a result. So there, to me, there's something in the fruit of this theory that isn't true because if it was true, there would be fruit, there would be progress, there would be optimism. And it seems like uh, these theories exist to divide and separate and cause us to mistrust one another. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, just just anecdotally, I was in uh, I was in Savannah, Georgia during the, hey. the yeah, right by you. You're just in Atlanta. down the street a little bit. Yeah, so I was in Savannah. <laughs> there was a, and I'm I'm I feel like I love everybody. You know, I mean, I understand that Jesus died for everybody, and in the age to come, in the kingdom, there's people from every nation, kindred, tribe, tongue, and people, and yes, that God yes. has redeemed has redeemed His church, one church, one people, one faith, and so the sin of partiality is sin. Racism is a sin. We get that, and we need to repent of, of all that. So, I was in the, you know, and I'm an extrovert. I love talking to people. I love getting their mm -hmm. stories. I just love people. You know, I have a, a gen, I'm a genuine extrovert. I just love to hear people's stories. But I found myself walking with my wife and dog through Savannah during the BLM protests, and I got, and I was walking into a corner. There was like a thousand people there, oh, and I realized, gosh, you know, yeah. I, I can't really turn around. But what do I do is look at me as almost a 60-year-old white man. I was walking right into the BLM protest, and I'm like, oh, maybe we should walk on the other side of the street. And then I thought, oh, no, that would be considered racist because I'm avoiding it. Oh, maybe I should, walk, it, yep. I, I should walk right in front of everybody and just be part of it. Nope, that's racist because this is not your protest. Or what do I do? You know, and I just yep. found myself checking myself and self-censoring in a way that I never did before. I never even thought like that in know, 58 years of life. And I found myself uh, just timid at not wanting to be called a racist or interrupting or causing problems. And so I, I don't, that, that's just my own experience. I was uh, looking at myself saying, why am I thinking like this even? And it yep. turned out I got right in the middle of it all. It was fun. And I had my dog with me and they were filming and our dog was in it. And there's an African-American man, you know, in his fifties, he took off his mask and he said, all lives matter. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, and, and I understood the idea uh, that the, the black community was hurting as a result of Floyd, but I just felt like, you know, I've also found just anecdotally, like, like men and women who are African-American over 50 that aren't part of the, 
highly educated elite. They're just normal people that aren't pushing this. They see they see some of this for the nonsense it is. And you find it mostly in, in younger people, mostly educated and oftentimes uh, white privileged people are the ones that are the most vocal, which is if you, want to if you want to trigger me, just say, give me another letter from a, a privileged white person saying, dear white people, lecturing <laughs> us on, on, on racism in America. I just find that somewhat comical. No, I totally agree. I, I'm going to challenge and push back slightly. Yeah. I don't believe that the, you're saying the, there's something about the fruit. No, I believe the fruit is exactly what they wanted it to be. If mm. you plant poisonous fruit, yes. uh, uh, you expect poisonous fruit to grow. That's there right. is nothing good. I tell people all the time, there is nothing, not a thing about critical race theory that the Bible needed. And anything that the critical race theory actually gets right, it gets right by mistake, not by intention. So yeah, there are different people groups. So yeah, critical race theory espouses that there's different people groups. Yeah, a blind squirrel could have told you that. So that's mm. not something profound. The the notion, critical race theory is in what you're seeing, the, the, the animus and the division and the aggression, that is the fruit. That was the intention. It was never intended to make much of Christ. It was never intended to be the gospel. And you know this because none of it is in the gospel. So therefore, um, it's fair to say that none of it, since none of it is in the gospel, we did not we did not need it in the gospel or in Christ's church in order to continue to flourish as a church. Because otherwise, who were who are the social justice warriors of the seven hundred Muslims? Oh uh, yeah, that 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 did not go right at <laughs> yeah. I, at all. So and um yeah, so that that would be my pushback on that, and not even to disagree with you, but just to point out, I think no, this it's is good what they've expected to happen. Yeah, when I I was actually meditating on on Jesus. And here, here's, here's my philosophy. I think you probably agree with it, but if this idea of the way to life and fruitfulness is developing a victim mentality, and it would be, look at Jesus. He was poor. He was his parents on the eighth day. They gave him, uh, there was two turtle doves versus a mm -hmm. lamb that was allowed for the poor. Jesus says that the son of man has foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He was a uh, he was, a abused. He was rejected. He was betrayed by all his friends. He was a gal, a Galilean. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, uh, yeah. he was, uh, he was not respected. He was not esteemed. He was persecuted by the religious leaders. Both the Pharisees and the Sadducees had nothing in common except for their hatred for him. Totally persecuted by the Jewish religion and persecuted by the state under Pontius Pilate and suffered and died. And he never once acted like a victim. He's, in fact, he says, I have a kingdom and a kingdom of to give. When the son of man comes with all the holy angels with him, today I say with you, you'll be with me in paradise. You know, he was an overcomer. He knew that, that he was born of God and he knew uh, that he had a mission. And the, the fact that the church exists today globally uh, shows that, that this mindset of, of critical theories and grievances mm -hmm. was not the model. In fact, we understand through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. We understand that uh, there are trials, there's persecution, there is sin. Sometimes we sin ourselves and sometimes people sin against us. But from a Christian perspective, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. You know, he is doing something yeah. great in us. And that that is what frees us up. And there's one thing that I can't stand about this uh, these th this woke ideology that's so rampant. And I heard someone say, and it really struck me, it's the focus is on the sin of others, not the sin of yourself. Mm -hmm. And a Christian has the mindset of, yeah, my life isn't measuring up. Yes, I'm, in I'm inconsistent in my behavior and my attitude, my actions. And 
we we look at ourselves first. Look not at the log in your brother's eye, the, the speck, speck in your brother's brother. eye when yep. you have a log in your own eye. Examine yourself first to see where you're at. But the, the critical theorists are focused so much on the sin of everybody else and they absolve themselves from sin. They don't even think that they're wrong. They're so warped in this ideology that it's an others focused sin versus a self-reflective sin. And, Can and I, I feel like yeah, go ahead, Jason. I'm sorry. No, I challenge that. It's they don't know that you've sinned, though. That's the thing, though. What Again, they're assuming that somebody has sinned. So just because somebody's white or somebody has less melanin or somebody's rich or somebody, mm. it doesn't matter. You don't know that that person has sinned in the way that you're saying. Because please keep in mind, we all are sinner. So so to to absolve, to even make up sin and say, well, 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 you're a sinner because you're you're white and you live in the South. And so that's your only sin. That forgets the fact that I'm a sinner, period. Like I'm a sinner. So it 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 the playing field is very level when it comes to sin. All of us are. <laughs> and that's we right. all need to save. But it critical race theory focuses on again the, the sin of you being white, the sin of whiteness, and you, that's just your sin. You're just a sinner. The problem is, first of all, you don't know that I that this man has actually sinned. You're making up a sin, aka the sin of whiteness. And even more than that, you're forgetting that you're a sinner. That's why we don't need it in the in the church. The, let the let the pagans keep paganing. I don't care. Y'all just keep out there paganing and saying crazy stuff. But in Christ's church, we we are ruled by Christ. Christ is king. If y'all want to be if y'all want to be pagans out there and be pagans, but in Christ's church, Christ is king, and His rule is sure that we're all sinners. What, what, what would you you say to someone who says, well, "What about ancestral sin or generational sin?" In the South, there was slavery, yep. and white people held blacks in in that institution. And because I'm white and the iniquities of the sins of the fathers are passed on, that that blight is now on me. What would you say to that, which is part of the concept of reparations and and our own redemption because by virtue of our skin color and what our ancestors did? Okay. That's a great question. I just got one question about it though. Do you know that my ancestors were slaves? I do not. (laughs) Do I know that your ancestors were slave owners? No, they were in Europe. They were in Europe at the time. I'm sorry. They were in Europe at the time, so I doubt it. But yeah, so I'm gonna go with uh, yeah. And then you know, there's this little pesky Ezekiel 18 thing in there where even if your forefathers were sinners and they were slave owners, and Ezekiel 18 is really clear. So there's no way around it. There's no way for the social justice critical race theorists to dance around it. It's What's really it, clear. What, what does it say in Ezekiel 18? In, in, in a, a very brief summary, if a son sees that his father was a sinner and his father's sin, and he does not continue in that sin, the sin, the son does not is not responsible mm-hmm. for his father's sin. On the contrary, if a son sees his father's sin and he continues in it, he's guilty of that sin. You know why? Because the son actually mm-hmm. was doing the sin. There is nothing in scripture that teaches us to hold somebody accountable for sins that they did not commit. Oh, wait, but wait, but wait, Daniel, the book of Daniel, Daniel was righteous and he prayed in Daniel nine that God would forgive them for his sin. That's a great point. That's an excellent, excellent point. The problem is Daniel was actually in exile when he prayed that. So he was actually a part of the sinning group, whether he had actually done it or not. He was literally living in it at the moment and he was royally Mm -hmm. accepting that. All of us, all of us Israelites had sinned. That's why, God, you used King Nebuchadnezzar and the um, Babylonians to take us into exile because we were all sinners. We had all turned our faces against you. Again, there's nothing biblical that says 
because I, I'm a sinner, Jason is a sinner, that my daughters need to be on pins and needles because of the sin that their dad has done. Nothing. Yeah, and we're, we're all, you know, cursed with the sin of Adam just by being human beings and being born in this in this world. Right. You know, now, every again, one of us. Now, you're going to be responsible for the sin that you've done. No, I'm not saying right. absolving people of the sin that they actually have done. Because my daughters, let me let you know, they are sinners. Because that kitchen does not look like I t- it's supposed to before they went to school this morning. So they're sinners. Do they take more <laughs> after their mom or dad? Uh Yes. So, <laughs> so they, they, they're sinners, but they're not sinners because I am a sinner. They're right. sinners because they have sinned. So again, critical race theory tries to muddy this water and make, make categories of sin. First of all, I challenge things that are not actually sin because you're white. And because you, you have a, you have a cultural traditions that makes you a sin. Shut up, man. That's just stupid. That's just dumb. And, it, and people need to stop playing with that. Just, I'm not going to play that game. But on the same note, because again, when they say that your culture is bad and it's a cultural whiteness, they completely overlook the things that we do as a highly melanated camp. Like, wait, so we don't? What about us? Oh, that that, that gets a pass. But what you do, as benign as it might be, that that has to be excoriated. Nah, I'm not going to play that game with you. It's all dumb. So there isn't anything biblical. And I always challenge people, show me something biblical that tells me that I should be under some kind of judgment because of something my dad did. Because you know what that also flies in the face of? Generational curses. So if we, if Christ has become sin and taken the curse of God's wrath for us, how am I getting trans, uh, transgressions from my great-great-grandfather or you from your great-great-grandfather passed on to you? There's nothing, well said. there's nothing biblical that says that. Hmm. And that's why I started Dear Woke Christian, because the Bible is so much better. The strength of critical race, the, the power of, of social justice is that you don't know your Bible. You don't know your Bible. If you don't know your Bible, we can tell you that Jesus was a social justice warrior and Jesus was tearing up Israel. We could just say all these things and you'll just believe because you don't read it yourself. But if you read it yourself, you're like, man, hold on. I don't see that in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus Jesus was loving, but he didn't contradict his love. I mean, he didn't contradict other attributes of who he was because he was loving. That doesn't work. So he did still speak out about sin. He still did. No, that doesn't. No, hold on. Nah. So the strength of critical race theory is that you are biblically illiterate. If you remain biblically illiterate, they'll just keep telling you whatever. They'll keep painting these pictures. But once you realize like the scriptures don't say that God's grace is so much better because you make God sound like some kind of impotent, derelict, uh, deadbeat dad. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Well, but what no, would, God you, is, what would you say to the, uh, to the brothers in the Southern Baptist convention that voted in one of their conventions last couple of years mm-hmm. to accept, to adopt critical race theory as a lens to understand better what's going on mm-hmm. And not really as a dogma or they didn't ascribe fully that they fully believed it, but they want to use it as a sociological lens. What what would you say to that? I'm going to put a lens on my camera. (laughs) See, that's it. It was stupid. I disagreed with the social, with the SBC, because the more you, if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. So if you just give them a little bit like, okay, we'll just take the lens part and Jamar Tisby and all of his insane antics and such like that. The more you give them room, the more they're going to keep taking it. So if you say like, oh, well, we could use it as an analytical tool for what? We didn't need it before. Mm. Did we need it in 1953? Did we need it in 1784? Did the Christ church need this in the 412? If not, then we don't need it today. It's really that simple. And before you say they didn't have powered amplifiers either or microphones back then, (laughs) please stop being silly. Please stop being (laughs) silly and, and ridiculous. No, 
We're not talking about real tools to spread the gospel. You're talking about a lens to cripple the gospel. You're talking about smearing uh, film all over my glasses and saying, oh, I can see better. That doesn't even make sense. Interesting. I'm so, here for all this one. So what 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 have you observed as a as a as a scholar, a theologian, a, a lover of truth and the church? What have you observed in the church in America, in those churches that have adopted this uh, ideology and tried to mix it together with biblical Christianity? What, what's been the the result, or what are the biggest concerns that you see, other than it not being true? How, how does that manifest itself in, in, in the daily life of a church? If you, um, I would encourage your listeners everywhere in your city. Uh, to everyone watching or listening to this podcast, in your city, there is a church that is really progressive, super progressive. I mean, they got the flags, they got the the, the groomer clown story hour preacher, they got the whole nine, okay? I want you to find that church, go to their website or whatever, and I want you to go back five years, try to go back five years or seven years, and I absolutely guarantee you, they used to be social justice warriors. So the reason I bring that up is because critical race theory is a gateway drug for progressive Christianity. It's already, it, it, it removes the sufficiency of scripture because we, uh, we've already talked about it. You're adding to the scripture. So in order for me, uh, my church, Jason's Jason Baptist church or, or whatever, in order for my church to embrace critical race theory, I can't be a sound biblical church by default because there will be there will be clashes it's oil and water there's no way that those two come together no way even when critical race theory is about just or wanting some kind of equality even those terms they've misappropriated and redefined so they're not even the same biblical terms they sound biblical but they're not. I continue. So in order for a church to really embrace that, they've already removed, they've already cut the line to the shore. And so the ship is going to get washed out to the ocean, all without a rudder, without a sail, and no mooring to the land because they do not rely on scripture. It's anything and everything. I did a podcast where I looked at a couple churches at their recommended reading lists. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. The, the do the work that these people do in order to feel like they are, that they are holy, to feel like they're righteous, to feel like they are, they are somehow or another able to appease their God, lowercase g, is amazing. And all we got, man, I, I'll keep the 66 books and I'm good. I'm good with that. I don't need all this extra. So one of the things I noticed is that many churches that have, well, first of all, critical race theory is a gateway drug to progressive Christianity. I've watched it here in Atlanta in real time. I can point to, I can take you to several churches that are very gay affirming, very all kinds of whatever the culture is saying, they are saying it too. And they were at one time, maybe even social justice before it even became cool. So this is before Floyd. This is before Ferguson and all those other kinds of events that, that are in the American conscience. They were just social justice-esque. They were progressive-esque, liberation theory-esque. And guess what? That stuff carried on and continued. And now they're full-blown alphabet mafia affirming, full-blown everything under the sun. Why? Because critical race theory is a or, and social justice is a gateway drug, and now they're now they're trapped. Yeah, I mean, even like the, the terms have all been been redefined. Like, but but who is a Christian doesn't want to be an anti-racist? Who isn't for diversity, equity, and inclusion? We want to include everybody. And you know, the, 
words are all being changed, like homophobia or transphobia. I, I thought, like, well, this person's not a homophobe. They're not afraid of a homosexual or a transsexual. There's some people that would, would say that's uh, from their understanding of scriptures that it's not the the best moral decision to make. Doesn't mean they're necessarily afraid, but someone told me, oh, no, we changed we changed the meanings of these words. Like, well, okay, well, inform me the rules of the game so I can play. I have no idea what you're even talking about half the time. I call it intergalactic Calvin ball. Like, I have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> so I'm no longer... And shout out to anybody who knows what the reference was for intergalactic Calvin ball. But, um, yeah, do you know it? No, I don't. Oh, my gosh. You're going to have to look it up, man. Because, okay. all right, so the, there's a comic strip called Calvin and Hobbes. Yes. There's a little boy in his uh, toy line. I mean, his toy tiger, please forgive me. And they would play Calvin ball. And it's just, it started out as football, then it turned into baseball and hockey, um, a little bit of trampoline work. It would just be anything in order to win. So the, the rules would change at any time and it would just become, and they would call it Calvin ball. And it, it you never knew how to play it. That was a funny thing about between the two of them. You yeah. didn't know how to play it. Hobbs would change the rules. Calvin would overrule them. It was just crazy shenanigans. And it was fun. This is not fun because this is in real life and real, real people's lives, but it's just Calvin ball. And so um, one of Calvin's friends, when she would see them playing Calvin ball, she just wouldn't play. That would be it. And so I'm just telling people, just don't play the game. Just say, I, I'm not going to play that. Nah, I don't want to play that. That looks crazy. I'm good. <laughs> and just leave it alone. So it's Calvin Ball. I'm not going to play that with you. Yeah, I think, I think I look at you, I listen to you, and you are a perfect vaccine to make, make people safe from the mind virus of wokeism that seeks to creep in and destroy people, you know, and okay. institutions. I'm going to push back again. Okay, let's go. God's word is yes. a perfect vaccine yes. for Calvin Ball. So, because we have the rules. See, that's the thing. Everybody has to play by the same rules according to God's law. So I don't get a pass because I'm black. You don't get a pass because you're older than me. None of that. Nobody gets a pass. Everybody has to follow the rule. So that's the beautiful thing. Whereas here, it's, I mean, and it's not even only in critical race theory. There's, there's things I do. I, I don't play fair with my kids. If, if they're playing a card game or whatever like that, it's possible that their dad might, you know, pull some shenanigans to win. Absolutely. <laughs> or, 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 or other issues as well. But when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to Christ, we all play exactly the same way. We all come to Christ the exact same way. That'd be my only pushback. So what would you what would you say to a young person that's considering giving themselves to being a social justice warrior to fight for the marginalized and disenfranchised or those that are really stuck in this ideology that they look at everything through this lens now and they look at relationships, they look at people, they look at black people and they say, oh, you must be uh, so oppressed by white people or white people. Oh yes, you are an oppressor. People that just look at everything now through this lens. What what would you say to them? Because I have found, as I've spoken with uh, people that have bought into this ideology, I can't talk to them. They don't listen to me. I can't win an argument. I can't even get a point in. I'm just shouted down. And so I don't know if you've got any advice for for people that are stuck in this or how to deal with somebody if it's a loved one that's totally caught up and the relationship's been greatly affected. You know, what, what do we do? I would always encourage people. This is how I say, Hey, if we're going to have this discussion, can we, is it okay if I'm going to pretend like you are the social justice warrior and like, Hey man, I see you really involved in this. I see you got the, mm -hmm. the black flag, all that kind of stuff like that. Can I ask you some questions about that? Can I talk with you a little bit about it? And you would say, uh, yeah, I'd love to. I, I, okay. I, yeah, man. I see, I mean, you are passionate about it. And, 
if you don't mind, I'm going to talk about, you know, maybe a little bit more than maybe you're comfortable with of the gospel. And why I say that is because I, I want to show you why I think that what you're doing and what you're saying is actually conflicting with the gospel. But more importantly that than that, I want to show you that all of this that you're doing and all that you are are espousing and all this work that you're doing is not the gospel. So you're actually running in the wrong direction. And I just want to show you. So if, if that's okay, if you're good with that, I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about why do you think going from there? So that, and, that, that could work with uh, somebody who professes to be a Christian or has church ooh, background. Yep. But what about somebody that just looks at Christianity as the biggest oppressive religion in the world? And they're the Christianity and Christ and Christians are the worst of the worst sinners. And they, they just start to freak out on you because you're going to even mention something about Jesus. Man, you know what? Christians are the worst sinners. <laughs> <laughs> you are 100% correct. <laughs> you are correct. Christians are sinners. You are correct. There are Christians who divorce, who murder, who've done all vile, wicked things. Yes. And, oh, and even some of them have been slave owners. Some of them have been uh, ship captains and capturers and caught. I mean, yes, all of Yes, all of that. All of that. You are correct. You are correct. And Good. such were some of you. Yes. So in Christ, so that's the beautiful mm. thing about the gospel. He he he, he says, he, he bids you all to come. So guess what? There is possibly, there's a high probability that I will be standing next to my king, shoulder to shoulder with somebody who may have owned my ancestor. I might be standing worshiping the lamb next to somebody who murdered, who did a horrible atrocity. Yes. But that doesn't, who's standing next to me is irrelevant. It's who we are focusing on. And sir, if you can't see that you yourself are a sinner in need of a savior. Because at the end of the day, you're going to have to answer for those sins. So the ship captain and the, the, the murderer and the just the bad dad, they're going to all answer for their sins. And if your answer is anything less than Christ paid for it, or as Alistair Begg said, the man on the middle cross said I could come. If anything less than that, anything more than that, I did this. I, I had a black flag. I protested. I got reparations. I, anything extra beside the man on the middle cross said I could come. Sir, you are in for a world of hurt. So please don't get lost in the in the haze that this person, this uh, Tommy over there, Sally over there are more of a sinner. Don't get lost in that because guess what? You're just as bad as them. Don't get twisted and think that, oh, well, oh, they're white, so they're really bad. No, <laughs> you're really bad. But by God's grace, you can be forgiven and you can walk in freedom and be and be good and look at white people and, and Asian people and Hispanic people and true slave owners and, and, and antebellum bells and fill in the blank. You can look at them and say, these are my brothers and sisters. Beautiful. But you, or you stay in the bondage that you're in. You just, you decide. So that's what I would say to them. I don't care. If you're not a believer, it's okay, fine. I, I, I can't do anything with that. I can't argue from a, a secular viewpoint. I don't have a secular worldview anymore. My, my, the scriptures inform my worldview. So I'm not going to waste my time putting down the truth of God's word to argue from a failed point. I'm going to challenge you to consider and think about your soul. I don't care what a white person has done. Maybe they really did enslave you. I don't care. What about your soul, my friend? What about your soul? I'm here for that. I'm here for that. Yeah. One mark of all cults and false religions is this, this prevailing mindset. This do and you will live. If you do this, if you work this way, if you do this, if you keep this, you don't do that, you do this, then you will live. And it's only Christianity that has a message of God's grace and yes, yes. we are saved by grace through faith. And only the Christian God was a God that was wounded 
and suffered and, and died for us, that he became man. And, and uh, so only Christianity teaches that. And so I think it's important as a Christian to come, just as you're saying, just as you're saying that uh, I am I am a sinner. I have failed. I have fallen short. I have had a bad attitude. I have habitually sinned, but, but Jesus still loves me. He came yes. and sought me and he found me and he gave me his life. And the father himself loves me. And I, and I belong to the king. I belong to a, to a different age. I've been born again by the spirit of God. And out of that, we don't have room for other to judge other people's sins. No sin, no room at all. And in the beginning, earlier, you gave an example of all the work that people have to do. And I want people to realize that is very much like any false religion. That's just like Jehovah's yeah. Witnesses and Seventh-day Adventists and Islam. It's, it's just like any other religion where you have yes. to do stuff. I don't do anything to be saved. I do things because I'm saved. There is a significant yeah. difference in the moving those what I do versus what has been done. So I, I love my brother. I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I do my best to, to be a good dad and a good husband as best I can, not to be saved, but because God has loved. God has been gracious and kind to me. He's been a, a wonderful father to me. So I should be a wonderful father to my to my kids and a wonderful mm-hmm. husband to my, my wife and in caring for my yes. brothers and sisters. That should be because I have been. It is the, it is the indicative versus the imperative. And so in these other religion systems, mm. other religious systems, you do all this work to be saved and you never know. That's the thing. See, I can close my eyes tonight. If today, if the Lord sees fit that this is my last day, I will close my eyes knowing that I will see my king face to face in peace. Not because I've done everything because my wife, there's some bills right here on the table in front of me. I have not paid them yet. I've got to go on. Have to get off the show. I got to go online and pay these bills. Not because I'm perfect, but because my king is perfect. Yeah. And, and his perfect sacrifice was acceptable to the father. So when Jesus Christ died for my sins and was raised again, and new, raised again, that was a sign that his sacrifice was accepted. And so now he sits on the right hand of the father, making intercession for me. So guess what? I don't have to worry, doubt, fear, or question whether or not I am going to be with him because scripture has already shown me that I will. So therefore, I don't have to do another thing. Now watch this. Somebody's going to soundbite that and say that Jason said you can sit on your hands and do nothing. You don't have to even care about people. You, you don't have to care that. about. <laughs> Come on now. If you've, got, if you've gone this far in the show and you think that I'm going to say that you should not want to make the world a better place while we're here and not want to challenge bad practices. If there was a, a, a law in your city that bald men should get beat over the head with a hammer, that you should not say, no, that's wrong. We got to fight against that crazy law. Yes, you should do that because it's wrong. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of this uh, old poem from a couple hundred years ago. It says, uh, I would not work my soul to save for that the Lord has done, but I would work like any slave for love of God's dear son. Amen. Amen. And, so and even our greatest works, doing the work, do the work. Well, it's filthy rags. It doesn't measure up. It doesn't, because please keep in mind, and, and you do realize that if an unbeliever buys into the social justice gospel and the critical race theory religion, he or she is still unbeliever. They've never been converted. So if you get an unbeliever to, you know, do the work and read the books and go to the conferences and pay reparations and live under a bridge, they will still bust hell wide open mm. because they never found Christ. Now, on the same note, you could be in, in the church and buying into this false religion as well, you're laying false works over the gospel. So maybe you might still be saved, but all the work that you're doing is going to get burned up in, in like chaff. 
So Wood, hay, and stubble. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it. So there's still there's still something that you need to consider and think about, whether you're inside the church or outside the church, you're in faith in Christ or not, that this false religion actually gives people a false hope and a false assurance. Oh, I know I'm good because I did the work. Yeah, and it makes you feel, feel like you're in it builds you up and you see this pride of like, I'm not as bad of a sinner as that person, or I'm doing the work and look at this racist or look at this. uh, Or I'm not a sinner at all because I'm black. I've had people say black people don't sin. I'm like, wait, hold on, man. Hold on. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Let me make sure I got that right. You said what? I've got people saying black people don't sin. I'm like, wait, wait, hold on. Uh, Again, that, that doesn't even make sense. There are sins that are well, first of all, I argue and challenge it. Racism is not the sin that you think it is, but there are far more sins outside of racism that even if if racism was a sin, it's only one. There's still a slew of other... Wait, are you for real? I said, so you mean to tell me <laughs> that black people, me, I have not sinned? I got my mom. I can promise you she will disagree with you wholeheartedly that I'm a sinner. I mean, that I'm not a sinner. She'll tell you, oh yeah, Jason's a sinner. Uh, hey, hey, oh yeah. And, and he sired two, two sinners and he married a sinner. Um... And they go to church with sinners. <laughs> She'll feel it. Trust me. And that whole Whitaker clan are natural sinners. Uh, the one T and the two T Whitakers are all sinners. <laughs> all of them. Every last one of them. I, I do have a few more questions for you. This is excellent. This is refreshing. And I really, really value you, brother. I really appreciate uh, your heart and the things you're sharing. Hopefully it's a big cup of cold water for everybody listening. And uh, I hope so. I really do. How, how would you describe or compare and contrast today's social justice with biblical justice? Because we, you know, the, there is justice in the Bible. There is a day coming. I mean, oh, yeah. so how would you like, in order to separate the two and be clear, like what's biblical justice and what's social justice? I'm going to, well, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a change. Okay. Justice, not biblical justice. There is only justice. And the reason I say that is because in a moment, I'm about to say something that will contradict that. Social justice, when you add something to justice in order to qualify it, you already are in some choppy water. So Mm. in order to make it social, it's only what society approves today. But biblical justice, or what's true justice, is consistent across the board. Justice was the same the day Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden to the last amen of revelation. So God's justice doesn't, it doesn't ebb and wane. Social justice, again, ebbs and wanes. I mean, there there are things today that are being done under social justice that if you just rewound five years ago, would have been seen as wrong. That doesn't even make sense. So as it relates to that, let's look at what biblical justice is. And biblical justice rarely looks at the externals as the chief indicator that somebody is in need of justice. So a poor person mm. could violate the rights of a rich person and their status in, in the world does not change anything. The poor person is still in the wrong. The rich person has still been offended. Now, again, maybe the, the, the fine might be in, entirely too much for the poor person, but that doesn't mean that in fact, the poor person did not violate the rich person. That is, but in social justice categories, a rich person can never be sinned against, never be offended, never crime done against a rich person. Um, yeah, against a rich person because they're rich. That's not biblical. That's not biblical at all. There's nothing that supports that. So I always encourage people. And again, the, the term justice and what we see is, is the theme is throughout scripture. So it requires a lot longer. You can't just find like one verse. Give me the one justice verse. You're not going to be able to find that because it is a theme that's, mm-hmm. that's, all throughout scripture, kind of like the Trinity. It's a theme throughout scripture that you're really going to have to take 
several different passages and look at lots of different texts in order to find like, oh, I see this now. I understand it. So the same thing with justice. It's not a very cut and dry, pick two verses. There you go. Slam dunk. However, it can be done. So that is the case that I'm encouraging people. Take the time to look at it. And please realize that here on earth, we are going to fail. We're not going to be perfect. Even in our attempts, even in our, our understanding of deep biblical concepts, we still fall short because we're human. We're flawed. We're erred. It's okay. However, that doesn't give us a right to just do things willy-nilly without saying that, okay, this is not the right way to do something. And again, looking at justice, by looking at somebody's externals and saying they are wrong because they're white, they are wrong because they're male, they are wrong because they're Northern or Southern or rich or whatever, that's wrong. That's not correct. So that would be my pushback. Okay. Okay. You've been pretty, uh, pretty clear today as far as an absolute repudiation of the critical so, uh, social justice movement, uh, CRT, absolutely. you just absolutely repudiated. So uh, what would you say to your detractors? It would say, Jason, what is wrong with you? I mean, look at the damn history of America. It's filled with slavery and Jim Crow and the oppression of black people. And you don't want the children to know that what white people have done. This is our story. This is our nation's story, Jason. And I think you should wake up and be a little bit more sober-minded. And, and, and so we don't repeat things in the past. We should educate all of our children of the real history of America. And for you to uh, throw out CRT, you're doing children a disservice. Mm, okay. I like it. So I am 48 years old all right. and I was raised in Chicago, Illinois. Um, so I'm a, an 80s baby, 80s babies unite. All right. <laughs> and guess what? I know all that stuff that you just told me. I know all that stuff. So the reason I bring that up is we weren't teaching critical race theory. We said, hey, America does have a, <laughs> a past and a history that is not perfect. It's not pristine. And nope. The thing is, no one's actually said that it wasn't. Critical race theory wants to say that you are guilty today for what happened in the past. That Ezekiel 18 thing keeps us jumping out. Yeah. Like, stay down, Ezekiel. Stay down. Stay down, Ezekiel 18. But no, no, I'm, I'm well aware of that. And the funny thing is most people who say that are well aware of that. There is not one solitary adult arguing for critical race theory that did not know that America had a slave past. There's not one, not a one. There's not one child. I'll go to challenge. I used to be a classroom teacher. Did I say that, by the way? I'm a 15-year classroom teacher in public school, so I know what they taught. There is not, I'll go as far to say, there's not a high schooler today that did not already know that America did, in fact, have a past that was that had racial inequities and, and racism or, or, or slavery. I, I would go as far to say that there's not a one that didn't know that already. So, I'm saying that because they didn't need critical race theory to do that. When you do this, I did this a, a review of what critical race theory is on my channel. A lot of people in the critical race theory, they're double-minded. It's hard. They, they say, oh, critical race theory is a, an academic legal theory, but then they want to teach it in elementary school. What are you doing? If it's an academic legal theory, how are you teaching kindergartners academic legal theory? Please explain it to me, because the next thing we're going to be doing is teaching them high physics. We're going to teach them high accounting practices as well, because th those are high things as well. Yeah, but they would, deny, they would deny that it's being taught to children. Oh, then what are we arguing about right now? You just said I was doing a disservice to children. How am I doing a disservice to children if we're not teaching it to children? You might want to understand what you're 
you might want to maybe take the time to think about what you're going to say before you get up here and lie and say things that are just asinine and silly. We know that you're trying to teach that white people are guilty for sins that they did not teach, that they did not commit. That's what we know. And you're trying to guilt them by saying, well, people who are white used to own slaves that were black. So therefore, everybody white today is guilty of the sins that those white people did. That's what you're trying to do. Let's just tell the truth. Shame the devil. Stop acting silly and saying that that's not what you're trying to do because that's what you are doing. And all we're saying is that's not correct. You can't do that. That's not correct. And stop doing it. That's it. But what, now, what, about, what, what about like some of the tenets of uh, CRT, such as racism is present in every circumstance. It's, it's, it's normative in America. It's all the time. There's this concept of microaggressions that anything can be interpreted. And uh, like a black person knows when there's racism, but a white person wouldn't know because they're the ones that have lived the, ex the lived experience of, of, of being affected by racism. And uh, I've, I know you're familiar with Vody Bolcom. He talked, mm -hmm. talked about, uh, I don't know if you've heard of his concept, uh, what's it called? The ethnic narcissism. Mm -hmm. Ethnic Gnosticism. Yep. Eth ethnic Gnosticism. And I, yep. that resonated with me. But what would you say about that, about a special insight that African-Americans would have to be able to determine what's going on in the mind of another that white people wouldn't necessarily have? Do you know that the man that brought the tires to NTB when you got your tires replaced, do you know if he really loved black people? How about the guy that drove the 18-wheeler tanker that brought the gasoline to Quick Trip or Bucky so that you could fill your car up the other day? What about the person that built that uh, built your car, built your house? This is absolutely insane. It's stupid. I, as a black hmm. man, guess what? I kind of can guess that somebody doesn't like me. And guess what? I don't care. Because you're I secure. Don't. You're secure I don't yourself. care. I don't care. I'm not sitting around here wondering. Again, I live in a neighborhood where my neighbor on the left, my neighbor on the right, my neighbor in front of me are white. All right. And I have an Indian couple here. I'm surrounded by and on the fringes by other people who are white. And then there's some black people down the street. And I can positively tell you without batting an eye that these people next door and in front of me do not wake up in the morning saying, darn it, there's a black man across the street from me. They don't care. They don't care. They don't care. Why do you care so much about these people? Because you're not secure, because you don't know who you are in Christ. You're looking for validation. You know that you're a sinner. You know that you're a wreck. You know that you're a hot, steaming mess. And you want somebody to, to just say, I accept you. You want somebody to look at you and say, you're okay. I'm, 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 I'm opening my arms to you. And you just want white folk to do it. You want, it, you want other people to do it. When what Christ is saying, come to me. All you who are weary, and I will give you rest. See, you want from these white folk what God has promised you. White people ain't promised me none. Barbara next door did not promise me that she's gonna <laughs> like it. <laughs> she's a beautiful lady. I love her. Kristen next door has not promised that she's gonna love me. She's gonna wave at me. Every time I see her, she's a, a, a walker. She's always walking. But guess what? They have not promised me that they're going to love me and accept me in all of my flaws and all of my, in, my inconsistencies. And yes, even hypocrisies. And yes, even hatred and sin. They're not going. They didn't promise me anything. <laughs> Except in the HOA, they promised that they will not um, have their <laughs> trees come over my fence. 
But that's about it. <laughs> but Christ has promised not only to take me in, he found me and he, he washed and cleansed me. That's what you want. You want somebody to accept you and recognize Beautiful. you and know you and be transparent and say, like, gosh, I don't have to put on any kind of facades with God, with this person. I don't have to put on any kind of fronts, any kind of, oh, I'm big, bad. No, I'm not big and bad, nothing. I lay on his floor and cry that I'm a horrible dad. I don't know if I'm doing a good job with my wife. We're about to celebrate 21 years next month. And I asked her yesterday, am I going to get a contract extension? Am I, am I good? <laughs> so, no, but I know that Christ has accepted me and I know that I'm in him. So, so all of this dumb stuff, all of this foolishness, I know what microaggressions are. I know what this white person's thinking. You don't. You are projecting your own insecurities on other people. I am insecure. So I'm imposing these insecurities onto you because you have a great shirt on. <laughs> That's all it is. That's all it is. Just take your insecurities to him. He promised that he would be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He has promised you. I ain't promised you nothing because I'm going to let you down every day and twice on Sunday. Go to Christ. Flee to him. Flee to the one that has promised to, to, to accept you, just like the prodigal son. He was a wreck. He was a mess. Run to him. That's beautiful. What, what, what's your view like in our society now? Do you feel like uh, we're, we're becoming more uh, more infighting? Is that coming? Or do you feel like there's pushback? Do you feel like uh, this movement has seen its better day and it's going to slowly die? Or is it going to take root and hold? And, and like, where do you see us as a society, as a country? I mean, anger and hate is not sustainable for a country, but do, do you feel like uh, we have better days or is it going to get worse? Or is it or, or is this thing just going to go go where it should go in the garbage dump of history, just bad ide ideologies? I'm, I'm holding out hope that, again, as I said a while ago, the critical race theory strength is that people don't know the scriptures. So they're betting against hope that you don't know the scripture. And I'm really praying that more faithful men will stand in that sacred box and on Sundays in their particular churches and communities and preach God's word, not their own maturations, not just what's cool and definitely not what's at the, at the movie theater, but what God's word actually says. And the more people become biblically in tune and come biblically sound, they'll be able to push back on them because, you know, it's a, it's, it's a famine in the land and people, there's a famine in the land. And at the current moment, these people are munching on Cheetos. They're munching on junk food mm. and they, they got a terrible stomach ache. Their heads are, their head hurts and their teeth are rotten. But thankfully, if we get a, a, a steady diet, a good diet of God's word, we can trust, we can trust that he will not only heal us, but begin to resolve some of these issues that we have that are because of our horrible diets. Because again, we, we're not eating. We're not. I cannot believe that pick a pick a social justice warrior that is biblically sound. I, it's almost like you can't do it. It's, it's it, there's no way. <laughs> yes, it's, it's jumbo shrimp. There's no way that you could be a again. Now you could be concerned about people around you. I'm not saying that you cannot be concerned if there's a bad laws or opportunities for your your community to do better for certain people groups and such like that. I'm not saying that. What I am saying, however is the blanket social justice warrior. I cannot believe that there's a blanket social justice warrior that is biblically sound. <laughs> and 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 uh, yeah, and and that goes from top to bottom I'm talking about again from yeah, show me a sound biblical teaching. And what I mean by that like 10, 12, 20 sermons of sound biblical exegesis through books and books of the Bible that also embraces critical race theory. I, you show me that I'll I'll, I'll reconsider, but I'm 
I don't know. Is, is it a concern of yours or do you feel like this type of thing needs to happen uh, where the amount of people that self-identify now in America as atheist or non-believers or agnostic is skyrocketing and then you see church attendance is decreasing or those that identify as Christian, there's uh, big demographic shifts in America where it seems like there's a, like a falling away of some sorts uh, as a society. Is that a concern of you, yours, or do you feel like that's a shaking that needs to happen and is a good thing? I mean, no, it's a, it's a good thing. One of my other issues is that I have a, a burn in my saddle about critical, about critical race theory. And the other burn in my saddle is about purpose-driven attractional church. So we've had better than 25 years of attractional church really being in the forefront. And what that is, is that's just basically pragmatism. We're going to do whatever we can to bring unbelievers into the church, unbelievers into the building on Sunday or Sunday <coughs> evening, whatever like that. The problem is they're unbelievers. They're not converted. And it, there was no discipleship. There's no none whatsoever. I understand. I've, I've come out of a purpose-driven church situation. So I'm fully aware of the bad teaching that goes on there and the poor discipleship that happens there. So for me to see a contraction in church attendance and a contraction in ch people who are professing to be Christian, a lot of these people were never Christians to start with. So I'm not surprised one bit, but even more than that, I don't believe that Christianity is true because it has some great numbers. I don't believe Christianity is true because it's the greatest, the, the biggest religion or any of that stuff like that. that uh, those numbers were always conflated because they included Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons in the number. It was always bad. So once they decide to take those numbers out, we're going to not be the biggest religion. That's irrelevant. Mm -hmm. It's the truth of the gospel that matters. If Christ is true, then I don't care. If, 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 if it's just one person, I guess that's it. <laughs> I guess that's it. So when you see numbers like that, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think Christianity has flourished under persecution. Yes. Much more than it's flourished in prosperity. So, you know what? I mean, look at the last 20 years and tell me that Christianity was truly flourishing, truly that the gospel was truly being proclaimed. Not what people say is the gospel, but the gospel, the true gospel. Ask yourself, was that really being pushed? Was that really being pushed by Church by the Glades, Elevation Church, Transformation Church, anything, almost anything in Texas? You know what I mean, just tell me, was that really what was going on? Really? I think we can clearly see. No, it wasn't. So persecution is fine. I don't think Christians were supposed to be. I don't think Christianity was supposed to be a state religion or in the avant-garde. I don't believe that that was ever God's intention for us. Yeah. So with that being the case, a shaking is fine. You know, get rid of the, the fluff, get rid of the people who are not really believers. And I, I'm fine with that. I have no problem whatsoever. So yeah, I mean, it's even biblical in the sense that scriptures say that the Jesus' second coming won't happen before the great apostasy, the great falling away, whether that's part of what's going on now or just a, an anti-type of it, or Jesus says that wide is the path to destruction and narrow yeah. is the road to life. And many find destruction and few find life. And Jesus says, when the son of man returns, will he find faith on the earth? So we shouldn't be surprised as, as men of faith that, you know, th th that he'll shake everything that can be shaken. You know, and, and so and I think that's really to purify our own faith and to really be tested and, and, and to be strengthened and to be more useful for spiritual things and spiritual ventures and, and things that are, have to do with godly character and nobility. And, and so I think I look at it as a good, as a good thing as well. You know, it's, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, it concerns me. I get a real pain when I hear people like publicly renouncing their faith and, 
you know, that hurts me. I mean, it's just like, oh man, why, why are you doing that? And, you know, and why would you do it so publicly and hurt other people? And so, I, I mean, that grieves me, but uh, I guess it's not to not be expected based on, you know, the condition of man. Amen. So, you know, I'm, I'm working on a video answering in somebody who professes to be an atheist and I, I'm finding a trend in the testimonies, if you will, or the deconversion stories of people who profess to be Christian and profess to believe in the faith. They always want to really substantiate, like, I was really a Christian. No, no, no. I was really a Christian. I was really a Christian. I was at church two times a week. I was, I, I, my whole family went, we, we prayed at home. We, uh, nobody cursed and my dad paid his taxes on time. And we um, always walked the old lady across the street <laughs> and, um, and there was nobody in my family. Like this person that I'm doing the video on, he said, there was nobody in my family that was not a Christian. Did you notice what you didn't hear in there? Mm. Any understanding of sin, any oh, yeah. acknowledgement of Christ, actually. They said they were Christian. And the person in this video I'm going to be doing, he said, I was born in a Christian family. Red flags already, throwing flags already. That don't mean anything. So, and, and the reason I bring that up is I've noticed a lot of people don't have a good understanding of what it means to be a Christian. So therefore, they're very quick to say, oh yeah, I, I gave it a try. I tried it out. Yeah. I didn't like whatever, whatever. Because if you're born from above, you can't unborn yourself. If, if And nobody can snatch you out of his hand and you can't get, you can't pry yourself out of his hand. So I can't get you unconverted and you can't unconvert yourself if you are in fact born again. So these stories, and I've noticed, and if you, if you ever do a little research on people giving a deconversion story, you'll notice their, their testimony is wonky at best. And they can't tell you that they were really truly converted. Like I, I knew mm. that I was a sinner. And the Lord converted me, and by the power of the Holy Spirit and the preaching of the gospel, my stony heart was changed into a heart of flesh. And then I decided to go back into sin. Like, I can't see, I've never heard a story that, like, wow, that person was, no, that person was born. That person was a believer. And I noticed they don't have a clear understanding of conversion and what it means to be converted. Now, I bring that up because when you hear people deconverting and and uh, deconstructing as a big term, deconstructing and so on and so forth is very rarely, very rarely do I hear them deconstruct and become better people. It's usually they deconstruct from Christianity <coughs> and become more immoral. Follow anybody yeah. who's deconstructed over the last 10 years, do a little research and find out like, oh, they're gay affirming. Oh, they left their wives. Oh, they left their husband. Oh, they're doing this, that, and other. It's very rarely have I found somebody say, oh, I became a better Christian after I deconverted, after I deconstructed. Now, there is a term in deconstruction that is like, if, for example, if you went to a church that had a lot of just man-made doctrines, okay, you must uh, kiss the pastor's hand every time you walk in. You must, I mean, just dumb stuff. Like, okay, yes, you could deconstruct from that foolishness when you went to a new church. Okay, I got you. All right. But that's not what most people are talking about. They're talking about deconstructing the actual faith, looking at the gospel and making it something different. So it's not just saying getting rid of bad practices and man-made doctrines, but truly looking at the, yes. the gospel and making it something that it wasn't. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It's just yeah, been a, a wonderful, wonderful visit. And I just want to get together with you and hug you and pray with you and, <laughs> you know, have a, have a barbecue together. Just be fun to hang out. I just love your heart and I love your, your view uh, on the world and your faith. And so what I'd like is uh, for you to take an opportunity and give a final charge to our audience and 
let everybody know how to get a hold of you to follow you and uh anything in your heart is an exhortation for for everybody listening to you today i love it thank you man well you can find me at dear woke christian on youtube as well as on instagram as well as on twitter gab and dearwokechristian.com is my blog i guess my final charge to everyone is to just remember that the gospel is so much better the bible is so much better than what we're making it out to be and so challenge and feel free to challenge me challenge others if you feel somebody's engaged in something that is dis that just doesn't sit right with you dig into the scriptures and challenge them and ask them not out of confrontation, but just ask, hey, where are you finding this biblically? Can you show me where this is so that I can study a little bit more into it and so forth? But at the end of the day, just trust that the Bible is so much better. And he, the Lord in his wisdom gave us this in order for us to come and to our redemption. So he's given us everything we need through the 66 books of the Old and New Testament. Trust that. Don't worry. Don't doubt. Trust it that you have what you need and anything extra and doesn't make much of Christ, then you don't need that. So I appreciate you all so much. Thank you very much for having me on the show, man. This, this is a lot of fun. I might have to come back. I might have to pencil you in a couple more times. All right. I'd love it. Well, well, Jason, thank you so much. And God bless you. Have a big hug, That's man. Great, you take, take care, care. friend.